Welcome to a food podcast. Your turn. That's right. Welcome to the Fruits Podcast. Welcome into the Fruits Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and today we'll be getting into a little bit about myself, my testimony, and then we'll be having the gospel message presented at the end. So let's pray before we start, and then we'll get into it. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help me as I try to proclaim your word, and as I give my testimony that everything I say would be true, and I would be honoring to you, and I pray that you would just use me uh, in all the ways that you have planned for me, God. Thank you for everything you've given me, and for giving me this audience to speak to, and I pray that they would be blessed, and that they would uh, have ears to hear, and hearts to see, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. All right. Well, uh, first off, my name is Tyler. Uh, I'm not the most eloquent of speakers. Uh, I I do try and study the word and to come out with uh, things. Of course, it's my first episode, but I want to try to come out with things that are thought-provoking, uh, that get questions, and that make us uh, dive deeper into our Christian experience. And on that note, I want to get started with my testimony so that this first episode can clue everyone in onto who I am and kind of what I believe and what I used to believe. So anyways, to get started, uh, I was brought up in a Christian household, great parents, uh, great people around me. There was a pastor who lived right down the street from me. My parents knew about four or five different pastors uh, we went to a good Baptist church. We moved from there to a couple other churches, which were all friends of my family. And, you know, it was everyone that my parents knew, and they were good people. And uh, during that time, when I was about, uh, I think it was around four, five, or six, somewhere in there, is when I decided to get saved. And, of course, me being that young uh, I didn't know too much about what true repentance was. I remember, it's kind of in my memory, I went up to a, a little loft in the church with an older man, uh, I forget the pastor's name, and my dad, and we talked about it a little bit. Uh, my main fear was going to hell, like a lot of the kids' uh, fear is when you're brought up in a Christian home, that's that's what you fear the most. And it's not a bad thing, you know. Everyone needs to have a, a good fear of hell and a good fear of God. And uh, I remember coming down after I prayed the prayer that they told me to repeat. And my older brother said something to me. I got really upset about it. And just from there on out, I I kind of questioned my my salvation. Uh, it's getting a little bit ahead of myself, but uh, basically I, I did not realize what true repentance was. I was a little kid, and I just didn't know what repentance was. I didn't know what sanctification was. I didn't know what a lot of things were. Uh, and mainly I think it was because I wasn't really listening. Uh, I really didn't know how sinful I was or the need I had for a Savior. I just knew that there's a place called heaven, there's a place called hell, which one are you going to? And, of course, like 
anyone, you know, that knows those two things, of course you want to go to heaven. And that's that's where I started questioning my salvation. Uh, I would go, I was a big part in my youth group uh, in high school. I went to a Christian high school and I was a big part of it. I actually preached a couple times. I really, <laughs> I'm not much of a, a preacher and I wasn't much of a preacher back then. I was very nervous. I'm still nervous whenever I have to share my faith, but there's a there's a difference now. But yet again, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I always would question my salvation. Every youth group we would go on, every youth trip, uh, we had little like camping trips, I guess you would say. And they were like little revivals. And every time I'd be the one up at the altar, I'd be the last one because I was so nervous and so scared about what other people thought of me. And sometimes I would kind of sneak out, tell my friends I was going to the bathroom. Then I'd stand on the side of the podium and, you know, someone would come down and say, pray this prayer with me. And I'd pray it and boom, I'm a, I'm a Christian for a couple weeks until the high faded. And then I was back to my old ways. I did not change at all. And, you know, I think a big problem of it was is no one really ever presented the gospel in a way that made me understand. Uh, I'm not I'm not blaming anyone. I mean, people, of course, shared what Christianity was and all those things. I think I just had a hardened heart and I didn't listen and I didn't really take it in to know what Christianity was. I was stuck in this cycle of uh, the same sins and the willingness to continue in them. Uh, of course, uh, pornography was really big in my life. I got introduced to it in a young age. I didn't know what, uh, you know, masturbation was. I didn't know what porn was, and I got introduced to it. And it just took a hold of me. And I would be in church on Sunday, and I'd be looking at porn throughout the week. And every single time, you know, I'd be like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Or sometimes I'd go a couple days and be like, well, I can get it in a couple more days, look at porn a couple more days, and then I'll ask for forgiveness. And that's what it was. It was an ongoing cycle and a willingness to continue in it. I didn't want to change. I wanted to keep that same old way. And along that path, while I was doing these things, I was very, very self-righteous. Some people would still uh, say I am self-righteous, which I get uh, quite a bit from family members. But, you know, uh, back, back then I was very, very, like, this person sinned this person's going to hell, I was very judgmental, I was very, if you don't believe this certain thing, then you aren't a true Christian, and all, all the while I was doing these things, and doing the exact same things, uh, of course, you know, I got out of high school, and didn't really think much about my Christian life, you know, I wanted to be a missionary, I wanted to preach, I wanted to do all these things for, for Christ, and, you know, deep down it was, it was this feeling of, I have to do these things because, you know, I've done all these bad things. I had a very warped view of sanctification and salvation and just who Jesus was. And during college, I went to a Christian college for less than a semester called Pensacola Christian College. It was good college, good things, you know, met people there. You know, I had a girlfriend there. I, I did a lot of things, and it was, you know, it was nice. It was nice being in that culture, that Christian culture. It was very, 
you know, we had to wear suits and stuff, and I was not really about that, and had to trim our, our facial hair, it was very restrictive, very, uh, very law-driven, I guess I would say, Old Testament law-driven, basically, and from there, after about six months, I came back to, uh, Texas, where I live, I went to community college, and then, uh, I looked into pursuing going to a place called Christ for the Nations Institute, CFNI. It's here in Texas. It's a big uh, charismatic Pentecostal uh, college. And I remember my mom kind of pressured me into it. I think, thinking back now, it was good that she, you know, she wanted the best for me. She wanted me to uh, be strong in the faith and to continue in the faith. And so I, I harbored no ill will towards my parents for that. It was, you know they believing that I was a Christian, I believe did the right thing. And, you know, uh, but looking back now, it, it did push me and it did push me in towards salvation. Uh, but while I was there, there's just so much abuse of the gospel is what I would say is, you know, you would, you'd go into class. And I remember the first class I was ever in, it was the whole school, it was a, a nighttime thing. It was after orientation and things. It was the first worship service is what we had to go to. And they basically said, if you can't speak in tongues, you aren't saved. And so they pressured everyone there, including myself. And I was very, you know, I wanted to pre please the crowd. And I didn't want to be left out. And I wanted tongues because I wanted to know I was saved. It was a proof of salvation in their eyes. So people prayed over me, and people prophesied over me, and, you know, I made up a tongues language, and I thought it was for real. I, you know, I did what they said, just start talking and start blabbering out whatever comes to mind, and it was kind of like a, a Spanish twinge to my tongues, you know, everyone has a certain twinge to their charismatic tongues, and mine was more Spanish because that was what I was more used to hearing, living here in Texas. So it was... It was really bad for me, uh, honestly. I I wanted to quit a bunch of times, and uh, I I kept on going through, and eventually I graduated. I married my wife while I was in my last year, uh, and on the surface, I I was a I was a true blue Christian, but I'm sure if you ask my wife, it was it was difficult for her. Uh, you know, she she knew what I looked at, and. I also smoked a lot back then, and she she knew that I did that, and uh, my wife's very loving and never really confronted me on it. She wrote a couple notes and left them where I could see them, and I just kind of pretended like I didn't get those notes. It was it it was it was a weird time in my life, but you know I asked myself now I've been saved for about six months, and I asked myself what what made me realize I wasn't truly saved and you know looking back on it it was a turbulent time I was going through some things and you know eventually I just I read this uh verse in the bible I think I was listening to a teaching by someone I don't remember who but it's second corinthians 13 5 it says test yourself to see if you're in the faith examine yourself or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test and that really, that really struck home for me. Uh, I, I examined myself, and I, I failed the test miserably. And 
I tried to talk my way into, no, I didn't really fail the test. I'm just a struggling Christian at these parts. And, you know, it, it, it really struck home. Another one is 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. I'll read it. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, be serious about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That one, that one really broke me uh, reading that. I mean, all, all these verses broke me, and it was a slow process of turning this heart of stone into a heart of flesh, where I, I sought out teachers of Pentecostal movements and teachers that I thought had this super apostle power, like Paul says. And of course, if you read that, there are no super apostles, is what Paul says. Uh, but I just sought out these people that could cast out demons, could prophesy, could do all these things, all these... Uh, miraculous things and it just never filled the hole for me it never it never got that itch I always wanted something new I wanted something that would confirm I was a Christian and in Matthew seven fifteen through 20 it says beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravening ravaging wolves you'll recognize them by their fruit are grapes gathered from the thorn bush or figs from the thistle? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. And just while I was in this uh couple days I think it was actually just a, a full day where it might have just been a night where I I just recognized that I I didn't have any good fruit I wasn't doing anything for the gospel and I'm not talking about a works-based salvation I'm talking about I didn't want to do the things that God would have me do I wanted to do bad things I remember you know you get so down in that pit of pornography that you you just want to do all these different things and inwardly you know they're wrong because God's you know giving you morals and uh, you you don't want to go against them but it gets easier and easier every time you watch until eventually you know you do something that you shouldn't do and the those verses really cut to the core I don't have this verse written down uh, but it goes Something like, uh, we prophesied in your name, we healed in your name, we cast out demons in your name. And then Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. The, that that was the one that broke the camel's back. And I don't know why I don't have it written down. Uh, I was just paraphrasing the verse, so don't hold it against me. But that that's what broke me. Is Looking at my life, it was... Outwardly, I was doing these things, but inwardly, I I knew deep down that I was not a Christian. And, of course, you know, with my life being, you know, I probably got saved seven or eight times within the span of a couple years, quote-unquote, saved. Uh, so, you know, for my family, it, 
you know, they, they might say, oh, well, it's just Tyler doing this again, or, you know, well, you know, good for him, he's, you know, getting back on the right path, he's recommitted his life, but no, that, that is not what happened at all. I truly repented, and I truly asked God to forgive me. It, I, I realized that it wasn't by my doing, by my accepting of Jesus, that I was going to have my name written down in the book of life. It was that God threw mercy upon me. That, I'm sorry if I get emotional, I get emotional about these things, but it's that God threw mercy upon me. Not justice. God wanted me. Not because of anything I've done. But because of what he did for me. I now have fruits and desire to continue to serve God and do good things. Not because it saves me. But because of what Jesus did for me. I now have a passion to spread the gospel where before I didn't care if someone was dying in their sin. If, I, if one of my friends was sinful and unrepentant and continuing in these sins, I didn't care. As a matter of fact, I wanted to join them. But now, I've shared the gospel with one of my best friends. He's been my friend for my whole life, and I would have never done that. He, he received what I was saying I don't believe he's accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, which is, you know, that's not my job. My job is just to give the gospel. And I gave the gospel to another person not too long ago. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, I like I said, I that's not my job to worry about if a person gets saved or if they don't. It's just to give them the gospel. And I'm a very anxious person and a very nervous person, a very shy person. Until you get to know me, then I'll talk. But before this, I I didn't care. I didn't have no didn't have passion for people. And now I just have this burning desire to go and preach the gospel and to go and let people know if someone's running towards a ledge, you aren't just going to let them run towards a ledge and fall off. You want to tackle them and say, no, there's a ledge there. Listen. And that's the way I feel about it. And I, I strive after my sanctification, not because it saves me, but because of it, it helps me realize how much of a wretch I am, how sinful I am, even as a Christian. It's something that uh, I am doing, of course, I'm half a year as a Christian. I'm starting to write down every day how I please the Lord, how I did what the Lord wanted me to do. And then on top of that, I didn't just, I don't just leave it there. I, I write down the sins that I know knowingly committed and the things that grieve God. And I, I repent of them. I hate my sin, yet I still sin. It's something that, as a Christian, you don't you don't just sin and say, "Oh, I'm, I shouldn't have done that because maybe I'll get caught or maybe someone will find out." No, it's I hate sin because it's put on Jesus, it's put on the cross, and I don't want that. I strive to be sanctified every day, and I want to love the Lord, 
Whereas before, it would be a week or two that I'd read my Bible a couple days, and then I'd go back and do what I was doing. But now I, I thirst, I long for the Word. I want to read. I want to study. I listen to sermons every single day, multiple times a day, because I, I want to know the Word of God. And it's Yes, it might be a prideful thing to, I want to know more than other people, but it's also, I want to be close to Him. I want to know Him. Before I get to heaven, I want to be as close to him as possible. I want to be as sanctified as he can make me. So when I'm in heaven, I can I can say, I ran the good race. So on that note, that's my that's my testimony. You know, for me it's a little bit emotional. I'm not a very emotional person, if you know me. Um some people say I'm stoic. My wife thinks I'm very very stony. Uh of course, to her, she sees all my sides, so she knows, she tells people that I, I am emotional just with her, but talking about this, if anyone's ever heard of me talk about my testimony or give the gospel presentation, I, I usually get pretty teared up uh, just just because of that was me. That was me not too long ago. But on that note, I want to present the gospel so those who have ears let them hear what I'm about to say. I'm going to present this as good as I can. But I want to ask a couple questions to the people listening, if you're listening. And this is for you. It's not for me. I already know this, and I've dealt with this. But I want to ask a question. Do you think you're a good person? And pause the podcast. Think about it. Are you a good person? Now, if you're back, if you paused it, and you said yes, then I'll ask you some questions. If you said no, I'll still ask you these questions, and you can deal with them as they come along. But have you ever lied? Have you ever told a little white lie? You know, I think everyone can say that everyone has lied. It's an impossibility for us humans. We we always want to make ourselves look better, have a better situation, or anything, but we've all lied. So... Strike one. Have you ever stolen anything little? Even as a kid, have you ever stolen a lollipop from another kid? I know me. I I stole when I went on a senior trip to Italy. Stole like a, a bunch of stuff. And I was good at it. But have you ever stolen? Have you ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you? Have you ever committed adultery? In Matthew 5, 27 through 28, Jesus says... You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And this, this cuts both ways. This is for women too, looking at a man. Uh, have you ever lusted after someone? Have you ever thought they were sexually attractive and let your mind wander? I'm, I know for us men it's a hard thing and for women... I'm not a woman, of course, but I know it can be a hard thing for them, too. So have you ever committed adultery? Now, if you've had three strikes like I have, it's not looking good. So last one, I'll ask. We'll just do four. Have you ever used God's name in vain? In Exodus 20, verse 7, it says, Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Have you ever said, you know, even a euthanism for OMG, you know, that you have the same context behind it. Uh, would, 
would you ever use your mother's name as a cuss word? Would you ever use your mother's name in place of the S word? No, because you love and respect your mother, hopefully. If not, then, I mean, I haven't even got to that part of our of this moral discussion. But hopefully you love her, and if not, then that's five strikes instead of four. So we see that everyone has sinned. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We sin in the Bible is discussed as wages. We are paid for our sins by God. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our wages, our salary that we get from God is death. That's what sin brings. We cannot say to the judge, I know I committed a crime, but look at the good I have done. That's another excuse. I, my good outweighs my bad. I've done all these good things. If I go to a judge and say, look at, you know, I know I murdered that woman. But look, I've done so many good things for children. I've done so many good things for women. I've done community service. I've given money to the poor. The judge will say, that's good. I'm glad you did that. But pay for your crime. In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. There's something inside of us that says these things are bad. And... In authority, we'll go with it like this, in authority, how bad do you think it is to sin against the eternal God? If I sin against my child, if I tell them a lie, there's nothing that's going to happen. They're my children. They're under my authority. If I lie to my wife, I could be sleeping on the couch. If I lie to a judge of a court, I could go to jail. If I lie to God Almighty, the one who created us, an eternal being... The punishment is eternal. No matter what little punishment or what little sin it is, it's an eternal punishment because it's a you've sinned against an eternal being. But the question is this. But can we, but we can be forgiven, sorry. Not by our works, but because someone paid our debt. If someone comes and tells the judge he paid your fine, the judge can legally let you go. That person is Jesus. He could pay our debt because he was sinless and he was a perfect payment. He was an eternal being, sinless, and he had wrath poured out on him. Yours and my wrath. The elect of God. The ones that turn to him. Our sins are put on that cross. And they're paid for. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold. The Lord didn't pay with money, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was the perfect sacrifice for us, the perfect being, some something that didn't need justice, that justice was thrust upon him. I don't know if that's a good saying, but as of right now, we'll go for it. John 3.16 says, 
for God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 But God proves his own love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But the question is, how can we accept this payment for our forgiveness of our sins? We can't just believe he is real and he can forgive sins. It's, it's different from a head knowledge of just knowing that Christ can do this. That, okay, I know God is God. I know he is real. I know he was in the flesh. And I know he forgives sins. That's the trap I fell into was I accept him. I, you know, he's real. Okay, I believe. No, no, no. In Mark 1, 15, it says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the good news. You had the bad news that you were a sinner, that you sinned against an eternal being. And the way to inherit that mercy, that forgiveness, is to repent, to turn away from your sins, to longingly ask Jesus to forgive those things that you've wronged him of and believe in the good news. Repent and believe. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And praise God for that. We aren't like the angels. We get second chances. We get third chances, fourth chances. The Lord will draw us when we're ready. I wasn't saved for so long. I could have died in my sins and went to hell, but the Lord delayed. He's patient. He didn't want any to perish. It says in Acts 17.30, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. This is a command. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't, well, maybe you should do it every time you sin. It's repent. Believe in Acts 3.19. Therefore repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This is what God wants us to do. This is how we inherit eternal life. Acts 20.21. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus. We have to trust God, faith. Like if you were jumping out of a plane and you have a parachute on, you trust that parachute to open and to catch you. You don't just put a parachute on and say, well, I don't know if there's anything inside. You trust it. You have faith in it. If you accept the gift of God and repent, then you will be saved. But true repentance doesn't just go back to its old ways. It turns and goes towards the one who saved you. If you truly repent and you truly believe, there's going to be a change in your life. In John, 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we do fall into sin, we should continually confess those sins to Jesus. If you're saved and you sin, it doesn't mean you're unsaved. This isn't sinless perfectionism. This is, we can fall. We can sin. 
we disappoint God. Not not in that way. That's a bad way to put it. We transgress against God. But he's faithful and just to forgive us when we ask for repentance. We will be continually sanctified through our life in Jesus. Us as Christians should see an upward movement of our lives, and it shouldn't trend down to sin throughout our lives. There should be an upward movement. It should look like a like a mountain with little bitty, you know, ledges and dips, but it's always an upward trajectory. That's a way to look at your sanctification of your life in Jesus. Is there's a slow upwards movement. Maybe there's a spike upwards. Maybe there's a little spike downwards where you sin and you've fallen, but then it spikes up again because you love Jesus and you want to know him and make him known. 1 John 3, 4-6 through 6 says, Everyone who commits sin also breaks the law. Sin is the breaking of the law. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin or keep on sinning. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. I, I, I added in the or keeps on sinning. Uh, it has to do with the the words there and how they're put, but we'll continue. Philippians two twelve through 16. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything with grumbling, oh, do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, who are faultless in a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly to the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. It says it right there that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The fear of God needs to be in us that we we don't just fear man who can kill the body. We fear God who can kill the body and the spirit. This isn't a thing where you go about your life and say, well, I think I'm saved or I've always known I was saved. It's you, you work it out. Right now, if you are a false convert, if you think you're a false convert, work it out. Put yourself under the test of what I've said so far and see if you pass the test. See if your life is going in that upwards trajectory. See if you have fruits. See if you are being sanctified or if you're just continually falling into your sin. Some people might disagree with me on these sayings, but I don't think people would disagree with me on the message so far as I've presented it. In Romans 8, 3-4, What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in flesh like ours under sin's dominion and as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. It's not us that did this. Jesus did this. And if we love Jesus, we walk in the same way 
that he would have us walk. Now, we need to make sure this is the thing we want to do. Because we do not try on Jesus. We do not try Jesus out for a season and see if he's for us. Or say that we are Christians and then don't walk according to the Spirit. The rich young ruler counted the cost and chose not to follow Jesus. I'll read it to you. Matthew nineteen sixteen through 22 Just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to inter- inherit eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, Jesus speaking there, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. The rich younger ruler asked, Which ones? Jesus answered, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept all these things, the young man told him. What do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, Go, sell your belongings and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard the command, he went away grieving, because he had many possessions. He counted the cost of what it would be to follow Jesus, and he didn't want to give up the things that he needed to. This is what we should do. If you were thinking about trying on Jesus, count the cost. There's no trying on Jesus. Either you're for him or you're against him. Even in John 6, the disciples, not the 12, should I say, they counted the cost and did not follow. In John six sixty six, it says, From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. This, was, this teaching was after he said, You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Of course, this wasn't talking about literally, but at this moment I'm not getting into hermeneutics, but they counted the cost of what they had to do to follow Jesus, and they left. They didn't want anything to do with it. But a true Christian knows the cost and follows because Jesus saved them, and they want to walk according to the way he commands us to walk. In Luke fourteen twenty-five through 33 it says, Now great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to him, said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him, saying, This man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king, going to war against another king, will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not say goodbye to all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Now, Let us deny ourselves and our sin and live according to God's word in his inspired word. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 
So we have the prophetic word strongly confirmed. You will do well to pay attention to it. As a lamp shining in a dismal place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you should know this. No prophecy of scripture comes from one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. I know this is a lot of scripture. I'm not trying to bombard people. But I just want the truth of God's word to be in your hearts and to to show you what the gospel says. And not only how to be saved, but also how to live according to his word. And this isn't the end of what I'm going to say. I still have two more scriptures left and then I'll close this out, but. In 2 Peter 1, 3-4, it says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By those He has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Lastly, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Again, this is us living according to God's word, his inspired word. Everything in it is true, and that's how we should take it. As a Christian, we should not pick and choose scriptures. We shouldn't say, I don't like this, so I'm going to make it say something else. Instead, we should do our study and talk with other believers. If if you think that you found something in Scripture that confirms a view of yours and you have questions about it, then ask other believers. Let iron sharpen iron in this case. Find a group, especially a church is great, but having those personal friends that you can go and talk to about the things of God really is going to help you in your walk with him. And even if you disagree with your brother or sister in Christ, all along you know that both of you will have uh, misinterpretations or faulty theology, but that you're both trying to grow in Christ and both trying to dig deep into his word. So... After all this, I would like to pray one more time. Lord, thank you for using me today. Thank you for your scripture and for the people that are listening to this podcast. And I pray that if they are listening and they've decided to count the costs and to repent and to follow you, Lord, that you would just lead them to like-minded believers that will help them grow in their righteousness and in their faith, Lord. I pray that they would find a place to fellowship with other believers. And for those who have listened and do not believe, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to you and show your mercy to them, God. I, I pray this out of love and I, I say these things out of love for you and love for my brothers and sisters. In all this I pray, amen. Now, like I said... At the end of this episode, I'll kind of go over some stuff. Well, I didn't say that, but I like to. 
Uh, I'm not a very eloquent speaker at times. Sometimes I can say one or two intelligent things, but other than that, you know, I'm I'm just a guy. I'm just a, a fellow Christian or maybe not a fellow Christian to those of you that aren't in the faith, but uh, I'm, I'm not a supplement for your own church. Uh, this is more for diving deeper into the word and getting questions from other believers. That's what this podcast is based off of. Although this first episode, I just wanted to get my testimony out of the way and also get not the gospel out of the way, but I wanted to get the gospel into my podcast because a lot of the things I'm going to be going over aren't necessarily uh, for the unbeliever. It's more for the Christian. It's more for the person who's walking with God who wants to learn more about him. And uh, for that, I've set up two different things to get a hold of me if you have questions or if you disagree with one of my podcasts or one of the things I said. Uh, I'll be having a guest speaker on every other week, uh, God willing, uh, to discuss the episode of the week before. So I'll have an episode and then I'll have someone to discuss. I won't have anyone this upcoming week because this was the gospel and my testimony, so I don't need someone to question uh, the gospel or my testimony. But of course, if you do question the way I presented the gospel, or you had questions about my testimony or wanted to know more about me, more about the podcast, uh, had questions about God, of course, I don't know everything, but I can most likely give you somewhat of an answer. Uh, I have a Twitter. It's at the Fruits Podcast. That's Fruits with an S, not just Fruit. Oh, sorry. It's The Fruits Pod on Twitter. That's my bad. It's a typo. But it's at The Fruits Pod on Twitter. Or you can email me. Uh, it's The Fruits Podcast at Yahoo.com. So email is The Fruits Podcast at Yahoo.com. Twitter is at The Fruits Pod. Uh, yeah, if you have any questions or concerns or, you know, you think I presented something wrong or if you think I presented something good. That encouragement is always needed. But uh, like I said, if you want to get in contact with me, those two places are the best ways uh, to get in contact with me at the moment. haven't set up anything else, really. I think this is kind of what I'll be sticking with. Uh, just I, I, I don't post really anything on Twitter, but it's a, it's a good way for me to get notifications on my phone because if it's from Twitter, it's probably someone DMing me or tagging me, so I'll, I'll be able to see it, and the email is strictly for the podcast, so this was kind of more of an introduction to myself and to what the podcast is going to be about, so I hope you enjoyed, and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.